What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. And welcome to episode 80, Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast, and I'm back, your host, Peter Pratt. Delighted to be back for a third season. Third season covering the Marlins from across the ponds, and we'll be here every week, every Tuesday evening, UK time, uh, all being well, uh, new episodes to be released. So we are going to smash through the 100 mark at some point this season. Um, but here we are at episode 80, and delighted to welcome back in his usual lead-off spot, of course, Lee Dobbs. How are we? I am, you know, it's good as always. You know, it's good to be to be back. You know, new season, you know, new stories to tell. Absolutely. And new hairdos. I will, <laughs> I will bad, post bad the picture. <laughs> We've had a team photo before we've kicked off, you know, the obligatory team photo start of the season. It's fair to say lockdown in the UK, Barnets are a little bit wild. So um, <laughs> great to have you back though, Lee. Well, well said though, mate. Looking forward to telling some new stories this year. It's going to be fun. Right then, we have a new man in the two spot this season. Um, we needed something. We were missing something. What we needed was additional facial hair. I had to go out there and I had to find, I guess, our answer, the UK answer to the Herald's Jordan McPherson. Hope you're listening, Jordan. Hope you're well. So we've managed to add to the UK goat stable with Sean Barrett. Sean, how are we? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Pete. Um, good to join you guys again um, on a more regular basis. Um, yeah, if I'm gonna bring in anything, I can definitely bring some some facial hair, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> whether it lasts beyond opening day, not sure yet. Depends on lockdown, depends on weather. Um, so but I would like to get out there, get a tan this year. So it might have to come off, I'm afraid. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, um, you've been on the you've been on the pod a couple of times in the past. Um, on an ad hoc basis, but you're going to be here with the guys um, week after week, all being well. Um, just remind the listeners uh, a couple of bits about you, just to remind them. Um, from your perspective, how long have you followed the team? Favourite current Marlin? Let's start there. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been a fan of the Marlins since 2003. Um, quite a tolerant yeah. 18 or so years later um yeah it's been an interesting ride um i think we're finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. um favorite current marlin um it's still got to be miggy um heart and soul of the team el capitano um just he's he's taken this team put them on his back and uh well took them to the playoffs last year Absolutely. Hey, we heard from Miggy today on the media call. We'll get into that a bit later. There was uh, 
Ooh, there was a nice recurring theme actually in that one. I will, we'll get to that. But anyway, um, Sean, great to have you in the mix. Um, in the clean up, in the clean up, the clean off, <laughs> in the clean up spot. Rightly so. Rob Newell is back. Rob, how are we? Yeah, I'm okay. I've been practicing on my sidearm a bit like uh, Adam Simba. Um, I, I fancy my chances of getting into the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Oh, well, you, oh, we've got some new miners to, uh, to get into in probably future episodes. There's some, you know, some different names, some different teams. And I think from what you told me off air, there's going to be a new name required. So I'm excited for that episode when we get to that one, where we need to work out the Beloit something. Snappers. Yeah. It's okay. Be the Beloit snappers. And it's going <laughs> to okay. be the Beloit whatevers. Yeah. Doodars is a favorite, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good, good. So, um, Dan Healy, uh, our main man for, you know, I guess, hype, merch, everything. He isn't back for, for, I guess, a weekly appearance. He's taken a little bit of a step back from this now, concentrating effectively on his, his Miami Heat coverage, which, if I'm completely honest, him and his team, I think they're putting out more content than ESPN right now in terms of uh, heat coverage. It's absolutely insane. If you are listening to this pod and you like your heat, get into the Heat UK crew, which uh, Dan is the CEO of, and they are doing some awesome stuff. Um, He's promised to be back sporadically during the 2021 season. So we'll look forward to that. I do need to call something out though, and he's not here to defend himself on this. So, but Dan, I know you will be listening and I need to call something out. You've acquired many, many Heat jerseys in the past few months. The Heat suddenly have become poor. Is there a connection and is the curse real? I think it is. Everyone's pointed to me in terms of the, the jersey curse, but perhaps perhaps it was Dan the man. Who knows? Anyway, guys, there is a lot to get into. We, we haven't potted together for over three months it's been a long long time but i'm really excited for us all to be back for our third season it's going to be awesome i mean last season the 60 game sprint it was the longest 60 games ever so getting back to 162 over what four or five months is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun so what are we going to cover in this episode we have got some reflection we're going to reflect a little bit on 2020. We're going to dive into the off-season moves that the Marlins have made and they may continue to make. And we're going to have a little look ahead to spring training, the 20, 2021 season, and also how we see the NLE shaping up thus far. So those are the main bits. Um, we'll see how we get on for time. We will target one hour. Uh, I'm not sure I will get on with that. <laughs> so, guys... In terms of reflection, before we get into, see, this is the key bit. I went back to episode 50, which was our preseason 60-game sprint predictions pod. Because it's all well and good making these predictions, right? But you need to review them. You've got to go back and review how wildly incorrect they were. So I have done that. You guys probably haven't, but I've done it ready for this. So before we get to that, though, let's go around the horn with a a memorable moment of 2020. When you look back on 2020, this year, five years, 10 years time, what will stick in your head about 2020? Lee Dobbs, lead us off, buddy. 
I mean, it's hard to pick COVID. up. Yeah, like, like you're saying, I'm, I'm, you know, you know, like, yeah, barring the obvious, then I mean, it's hard to just pick one moment. You should just say the whole season. You know, yeah. And, and, and as like a whole, obviously the playoff. But for me, also when you look back, you're, you're going to look at the, the sweep of the Cubs, you know, in in the in the playoffs. Which for me also was a, was a top moment mm-hmm. during the season. Obviously, there, there's that that weekend that we spoke about lots last year. I think it was that Sunday game, a game against the Phillies, mm-hmm. you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, which still was for me the top moment, you know, of the season, where where we obviously we, we came through through so much to, to win that game. Yeah, I just, but so saying, pick one match is really hard. Yeah, you know, I'll just say how great great a season we we had. Yeah, obviously with, with all of the all of the issues, you know, like you know, going on. But yes, I mean, if I pick one moment, it would be that that weekend, you know, against the Phillies. And, yep. and that, that that Sunday game, loved it. Sean, what about for you, buddy? Uh, yeah, touching on what Lee said, obviously it's it's obviously you know going for the playoffs is is how I would remember it. Um, so like I said, I was a fan since two thousand and three. Um, picked the Marlins because you couldn't pick the Yankees because um, the first game I ever saw was probably game two, game three, the World Series. Um, it's taken till now to, to get back into the playoffs. I've spent years watching losing baseball, years and years, decades of watching losing baseball. Um, and I, even now I remember um, I was working some late shifts um, and the game was just, the playoff games were just kicking off as I was going home, um, travelling home, trying to listen to the game, getting home in like second or the third inning, putting the game straight on, just having that, that emotion, that that feeling of we're in the playoffs. These are playoff games. They are that's that's feelings that I will not forget. Yeah. Um, obviously, feelings I'd like to replicate <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, hey, hit the pause button on that one. We'll get to that uh, probably a bit later on in terms of uh, what what the outlook is. But yeah, it makes sense. Playoff baseball, you can't beat it, right? And effectively, you've been following the Marlins for 17, 18 years, and you finally have another taste. So, uh, makes sense. Rob Newell, round us off in terms of uh, reflection. Uh, anything else that uh, stands out for you? Yeah, it's got to be that that 2 0 win at the Cubs to get us into the NLDS, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Really has. What are, not just the cigars at the, at the end on Wrigley Field, which is obviously an iconic image, but the actual nature of the victory itself Darvish pitching against Sixto Sixto having a lot to prove because he'd had a few rough games um, prior to that and you know Cooper's home run it was just just magic the bullpen really really holding strong with Boxberger and Kinsler and uh, Blyer I think and Yimmy Garcia um, yeah it was just it was just a wonderful game to see the Marlins you know progress from the wild card beat a Cubs team which were you know you look through their lineup and it was decent all the way through and mm-hmm. you know to come away from that with a you know 2-0 victory I just thought it was incredible so that's the one that stands out for me and a slightly left field one that stands out was a game against the Mets uh, I think mm-hmm. Juris Familia was was pitching and it was when John Bertie had a walk and then he stole every other base. <laughs> but when That's trying right. to steal home, he had to basically do it on all fours. Crazy. And um, 
and it just kind of made me sort of think a bit about the previous seasons where you know we, we had hardly any stolen bases we weren't good on base mm. there's a the whole kind of ethos that Don Mattingly had been trying to get forwards kind of showed you know you still base uh like that that's uh you know that, that, that we're no longer the bottom feeders well I mean I've seen the projections uh from every major site and I think everyone still has the Marlins you know feeding some bottoms so uh you know, uh, I'm not sure much has changed. Maybe uh, everyone still sees it as a fluke or, you know, short in the season. But I, I'm like you, Rob. You know, the the Marlins got into the, the expanded playoffs. They got in and they won a series on the road against a division winner. I mean, you can't really ask for too much more from a team that was absolutely decimated for at least a third of the season and had no players. It was an incredible story. Ah, uh, my moment. There's so many of them. There's so many gifts knocking around of little moments here, there, and everywhere for for 2020. But I'm not sure it gets it gets any any better than that cigar on Wrigley Field image of the guys like just studs enjoying it, relaxing, celebrating. Perfect, perfect. All right. So let's round off the reflection piece with a prediction review. Uh, I've also got Dan's details as well, because I know Dan will be listening and won't remember what he said. So <laughs> here's, here's what we said. This is pretty funny. Lee Dobbs, he went, here's the comments I took away. We will surprise a few. Schedule is tough. Marlins will be bottom. They will be fifth, but very close. Seven games off first with a 26 and 34 record. That was the main piece. He had the Braves winning it, followed by the Mets, Nats, Phillies, and then the Marlins with a clustered NL East. That was Lee Dobbs. Dan Healy, he, <laughs> he rightly called out that I'd been using the hashtag why not us in advance of the pod. Bat flips and nerds rightly then replied to that saying, because you're crap, <laughs> was their response. Brutal division, but we're better than we were. Dan went for fourth with 28 wins. Braves winning it. Clustered division. Braves, Nats, Phillies, Marlins, and Mets bottom was Dan's call. So uh, rounding it, well, I say rounding it off for Rob. He, he rightly called out that he hadn't drunk enough before making the predictions, but he does have the Marlins bumped up to third place in the division. So Rob was the highest so far with third. Here's the other bit, though, Rob. This is the nice bit I liked. In your, in your uh, description, you said you can see some wacky teams making the wild cards, and you specifically called out, well, there was three, three teams. Uh, the Rangers didn't make it, but the Reds and the Padres you called out um, to make a, a postseason push. Um, you said, we've got the rotation, not sure we got the depth in the outfield. Concerned if we lose players to injury. That was another thing I took away. And boy, oh boy, did we lose some players. Um, anyway, you ended up going with a third place finish, 30 and 30, 500 ball. So there we go. You went Phillies to win it though with 34 wins. <laughs> you didn't realize how terrible their bullpen was. Um, so you went Phillies, Braves, Marlins, Mets, Nats to struggle. Second year on the bounce for Nats to struggle, if I recall. So uh, 
Uh, just, oh. just, just, just to clarify that previous year when I said the Nats would struggle, I, I, I think I was just a year, year out. You were correct. They, I mean, they did struggle. Um, they struggled to recover from a hangover from winning the World Series, I think, was, was what the struggle was. And that was real. Um, I finished off. I, <laughs> oh, boy, there were some wild ones here. I had the Braves in fifth. The Braves in fifth with 25 wins. I then had the Nats in fourth. Phillies in third, Marlins in second, and the Mets atop. So I had the Marlins to win 33 games. Um, I had I, I called out rightly that these looked wild. I drunk loads of Rioja before making them. I was down on the Braves with no justification to back it up, which is standard me. I said anything can happen in 60 games, cream normally rises to the top, but the cream won't have time to rise in a shortened season. I've basically flipped the division, and that was that. Whew, it was a fun episode. If you if you want to go back and listen to the full episode to anyone, it's episode 50, um, which was uh, yeah, half century for us, and we also had a lot of listener uh, clips added into that one to celebrate uh, the half century. So, uh, guys, I think we... In parts, we're on the mark, and parts, we were wild. Um, but nevertheless, it's fun to look back and to call ourselves out on some of these predictions. Sean, it, where were you, Where was your head at before the season, mate? And, you know, we don't have anything, uh, you know, written down from you, so I'm going to have to trust you here. Where, where did you see the Marlins finishing in advance of the 60? I think um, I had some... Uh, prediction on the on the show um, on one of the shows I was on, and I think I was I was on the why not us bandwagon. Okay. Um, but yeah, I probably wasn't too confident. Um, <laughs> as, as, you know, to do as well as we did, um, I didn't think we were going to finish bottom. Um, we just had a little bit too much talent. Um, but yeah, no, to to predict above five hundred ball playoff spot um no i wouldn't have been that brave i i think that might be episode 45 we had a we had a marlins a global marlins round table one i think that might have been the one where you you joined so i'm going to go back and listen exactly to to what you uh what you went with but anyway guys i think fundamentally looking back the marlins overachieved in in 2020 it's clear take without covid happening they clearly overachieved uh, in, in many people's eyes. So it was an awesome year. The key thing now, guys, is, and I think this is the motivator. This is the motivator for the guys right now, is everyone will look to the Marlins and go, short season, it was a fluke. They would have tailed off. So in the clubhouse, the chip on the shoulder, the motivator now is, can we do it over 162? Can we do it? And I know that's what Miggy will be asking. I know that's what Donnie will be asking is, you know, to prove that, that they can do it over a longer period. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Guys, in terms of the off-season, let's kind of dive into a few bits um, and, and look at what we've done. Lee Dobbs, first major move. Kim Ang, the Marlins GM. So Mike, Mike Hill wasn't extended um, as president of baseball ops. Kim Ang is appointed as uh, general manager. Uh, 
how are you feeling about that appointment thus far? I don't know how much you've seen or heard of, of what Kim's been saying, but early thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been, you know, quite well. We've Obviously, we haven't made too many moves, which I know on Twitter, you know, you, 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 you know people were angry that, that, that we weren't making trades and, <laughs> you know, they're doing all, all, all this and that. But, I mean, we don't really need to do too much obviously we got the the other the, the rotation is already in place so i don't think there's much that you know you know, needs to needs to be tweaked there obviously we got a few few like yeah, battles in you know in the field but yeah you know i, I don't think there was too much and that need that needed to be done yet so yeah i, I think oh, oh you, know, you know she's done a decent you know, you know a decent job so far i mean i mean the the appointment you know you know, you know is, is great you know for, for me i think yeah you know, you know, it was a good move. I mean, it was quite surprising to see he'll he'll not you know, you know not come back. Mm. I think we all felt you know yeah he, he he would come back. Yeah, you know, especially after the season we we had. But you know yeah you know so far you know it's, it's going okay. You know, obviously, it's hard to, to really judge judge yet. Obviously, I, I think next off season is when the real sort of, sort of test will come, and we might make you know yeah you know, yeah some moves or to try try and re-sign. Yeah, you know, you know, like, 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 you know, BA and you know, you know, things like that. But yeah, yeah, you know, oh, you know, overall, I'm, I'm happy with, with that like, job. So, you know, you know, so far, awesome. Sean, uh, Lee rightly called out there. There's been Twitter buzz. Marlin's Twitter has been absolutely blowing up with this trade, that trade, make this move, that move. There's been so much talk. Of the chatter that hasn't come to fruition, what was the one move that you wish had happened? So I guess you can throw into that. There's talk of Contreras. There was talk of Benintendi. There was talk of, I don't know, probably other guys knocking around. Which is the one that you would have liked most of those that were kind of Marlins twittered? I think I think a lot of the, of the, the Twitter chatter, I think ultimately was probably more wishful thinking than, than you know, actually going to happen. Contreras, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we know where we stand at catcher. Um, he would have been a great addition. Um, is the team ready to, to, to make a move like that? Are they ready to move on from, because you're going to have to get something up. Um, you don't get a guy like him for nothing. Mm-hmm. Is the team ready to make that move? Probably not. You know, our Faro returns, was it $2 million? Um, it's, this is probably going to be his make-or-break season for the Marlins. Um, so I think ultimately they made the right decision. Um, would I like to have seen them make that move? Yeah, maybe. But I think standing pat in that situation um, is justifiable. Yeah. And what about, what about the move they did make? I mean, it was the moves that they made you picked up, they picked up the option of Marte, which we knew was going to happen. Um, for me, that's almost like, uh, you know, that is the off season move, but we just made it at the deadline. You know what I mean? Like we, we got the benefit of him then he obviously got hurt for the postseason. Clearly he was an upgrade and he was an upgrade for this 2021 season. So a full season of Marte, we've already had that upgrade if that makes sense. So, but there was that one, which was nice. But what about the guys that we didn't pick up? Kinsler, Boxberger wasn't retained. Ureño uh, was non-tendered, I think. There's probably a couple of other guys I'm forgetting, but, you know, Kins, Box, 
uh, and Arania are the, the guys that kind of stand out. Which of those, I mean, probably Kinsto is the most surprising one, I would say, right? What about what about you on that one? Yeah, so when they initially made the move not to um, pick up the option, um, they they actually paid him to go away. There was a $225,000 um, buyout of the, con- of the option. Um, once they did that, I was pretty certain he wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Even, even you know, they were going to try and get him a little bit cheaper. That was the idea. But once, once you're paying a guy to, to not resign him, you know, that's, that's not going to be conducive to a, a negotiation with him. Um, that initially, yeah, I was quite down on. I thought, bring back Kinsler for four million, you know, after the, the year he's just had um, in the closer role, did a good job. Um, I've sort of went back and forth on that. I've sort of tried to sort of dig into the numbers and sort of work out were they just being cheap or were they was there actually reasoning behind this? Uh, and if you look past the surface stats, Kinsler didn't have a great year. Um, some of the numbers I actually actually had to double check because I was like, that can't be right, that just sounds wrong. Um, but his K per nine was in five, in the fives, which is is no good. Um, and the walk per nine was in the fours, which again is not great. When your K, K per nine is not even close to, you know, it's near your walk rate. That's a bad year. Um, I don't want to get too busy into the stats, but mm-hmm. his, his expected of, well, his XFIP was actually twice as high as his ERA. He was very, very lucky to have the year he had. Yeah. Um, he was rolling double plays, though. That was the thing, right? Yeah, he there was, was so many double he plays. He was double like, play. I can remember them in my head, like watching the games, like he needs a double play here and he'd get it yeah. like, every time. He'd get them, um, mind. He'd get them. That was the thing. Like he's, he's just... Exactly. So, And when you win the season, you don't care how you get the outs, just yeah. get the outs. Um, but when you're talking about bringing a guy back and paying a guy, um, you know, those, those are the things that the front office are going to look at. And they're going to say, that's not repeatable. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think they ultimately in my mind, they made the right decision not to bring him back. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, he's gone to the Phillies on a, on a minor league deal with a, you know, major league option or whatever. And, you know, he'll end up, I think making the money back. If he makes the, if he makes the opening day roster, I think with the Phillies, he ends up with his 4 million uh, back or somewhere in that range. So uh, and he'll make that, he'll make that team <laughs> clearly. So uh, we'll see him and uh, fan favorite media favorite. He delivered. Um, you know, the superficial numbers that you mentioned were there. The saves, he was right up there with saves leaders. Um, you know, blown saves was maybe one or two. So wish him well. Hey, Rob, I want to come to you on pop. I want to come to you on big pop because here's, here's a few moves that the Marlins have made. Duval is in the house. He absolutely obliterated us last year. So Duval comes in. The other huge pop, is the re-signing of Jesus Aguilar, which I think is very intriguing because they made that, they had to make the move and they made it before we knew the DH situation. So we've paid Aguilar, I think, what, 4 million? Maybe I'm, slight, I'm slightly off on the number. Anyway, whatever the number is, is a couple of million quid um, for Aguilar to come back. No DH and now Duvall's in on what's effectively a five million guarantee, two million now with an option in the future that if they want a, a mutual option, whatever. So 
were committed for five mil on, on Duval. Um, what do you like about them guys? Do you like the retention of Aguilar firstly, or all of a sudden have the Marlins got themselves in a bit of a tricky spot with effectively, you know, two very similar first basemen now? Uh, maybe they have, but then again, I don't think they had any other choice. The DH is the universal DH is going to come in eventually anyway. It'll be mm. next season. That it's 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 not going to go away. And interestingly enough, I think most of us thought, oh no, don't don't want the DH. Mm -hmm. But after last year, I actually quite liked it. Um, so um, I think they had to make that move. The other thing, though, to think about is that it's a long season we're going back to you know a full length season and if you get any injuries what we're now relying on is the young kids to come up and, and yep. fill those gaps so that's one of the reasons why they signed Duval it wasn't just for his power and you know even in that kind of short season last year I think he got 16 home runs um so you know that's that's pretty impressive um probably most of them against us yeah there's um, about six of them at least against the marlins <laughs> but it, 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 you, you need that experience if you think about it it's like sort of you know dickerson Marte, duval you've actually got an experienced outfield which we really haven't had you know properly all the way through for a while and that will come in handy for you know people like monte harrison It'll take a bit of pressure off Brinson, but they'll all get games mm. because there will be injuries and bits and pieces. And that means that Garrett Cooper can go out to right field. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's too much of a problem. There is going to be a point when Lewin Diaz, you know, has to make that position his own and that becomes a problem. I think what the Marlins are setting themselves up for, although they would probably never admit this, with how strong the division is, they've got quite a few cards to play when it comes down to sort of mid-season trades. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we've got, you know, with Aguilar, Dickerson, you know, Marte, Duval. There's, there's, there's a lot of um, ammo there if uh, we wanted to take advantage. Funny you mentioned that. I, I had this for a, a later segment maybe in the pod, but you know what, you've brought it up. So let's dive into it now. The question I was going to pose to you guys is, how many of these guys, and this was the list, Marte, Dickerson, Duval, Aguilar, and Brinson, those five, how many of them are Marlins in 2022? So you've got Marte, all, Marte Dickerson, uh, Duval. Uh, well, Marte and Dickerson's deal ends, definitely. Duval's got a mutual option. I think Aguilar may, uh, may have control as well if we want to extend him again, I think. And Brinson is definitely under control as well. But that's the situation. Lee Dobbs, of the five, those five, how many are still in spring training in 2022? One. One? Marte. Marte. Wow. So we'll have to extend Marte then, right? Maybe the one I would extend. Aguilar and I can see being traded, or, or Cooper will be anyway. But then I think one of Aguilar or Cooper will be traded. Yeah, like yo, this year even yeah, at, at like July, or, or even before, but yeah, whilst things are going on, and maybe the other one, yeah, in like the off season, or we, we wouldn't bring them back. Then yeah, I think Marte Dickerson, I think will go. Obviously, we we we've got we got people, you know, like there's there's you know, people down in the miners ready to come in. So yeah, Marte for me is the one. I think he's he's obviously the strongest player from, from that bunch. I think mm -hmm. yeah, 
Yo Yo, the more the more complete player, and he'll be the one who's worth you know signing to to a longer term term deal. So yeah, I, the others, I say, and I think they're all, you know, they can be traded, and we and we can get get a bit you know you know like bits back back for them. I mean, obviously Marte might get a bigger haul, you know, if we wanted to trade him, you know, in July, but. Yeah, for me, he's worth worth keeping, you know, and and build, you know, you know, building around. It's it's interesting with Marte because y- you look at it and you think, if Monte Harrison can kick on, you know, it, in many ways, if Monte can really take the next step, you could pencil him in as everyday centre fielder for for the Marlins for <clears throat> however long. He has all the tools, but clearly. The contact, the strikeout stuff is. We've got so many players, you know, you know, who are like that. We can yeah. say if if they they can do it, as we saw yeah. last year when they all came up. I mean, none of them really performed. Only Jazz, maybe, you know, to to a decent standard. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously they were still young, and you know, you can't really really blame them for that short season. But you know, I, I, yeah, they're they're not, they're not all all gonna make it. So yeah, you know, it it will be tough tough to you know like to decide, but. Yeah, yeah, for me, for me, Marte would 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 be be the one worth you know, you know like keeping keeping hold of. Sean, what about you, buddy? Of those five, uh, I would probably go with maybe one. Oh um, wow! Yeah, and that is Gila Aguila. Um, he does have one more year of control mm-hmm. in his final year of arbitration. Um, he's on four million, just over this year. So if he has a Good, uh, you know, very good season. You're looking at probably sort of six to eight range next year. That's, you know, you, I think we could take that on um, quite happily. Marte, would I like to see him on the team? Of course. Um, but he's going to be looking at, yeah, two, three year, 15 million. You know, can you see the Marlins pulling the trigger on a three year, 45, 50 million dollar contract? I can't. Uh, I'd love to see it, but I just can't see it happening. Um, with the exception of Isan at second, you could pretty much say the rest of the roster or the starting lineup are not placeholders. That's a you know too harsh of a term. They're all pretty good baseball players, but the team have put their faith in in the miners, put their faith in in rebuilding this team to be a consistently good team. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think we see them all go ultimately. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, like I said, Guila is probably the most likely just because of the cost control. Um, but yeah, okay. starting outfield is completely different next year. I I don't think I disagree on the outfield in particular. I uh, you know the reality is I'd be very surprised if Dickerson um, is extended beyond this year. I actually I. I when there was talk around um, Anthony Santander from the Orioles, um, I was thinking, you know, his profile fits, right? I mean, Dickerson's probably owed like 10 million, I think this year, maybe 11. You know, all of a sudden, if you can try and move Dickerson on and bring in Santander, next thing is you save 10 million, give or take. I mean, Santander's in Arb and maybe million and a half or whatever he's getting. So, you know, it's the type of move that would work financially for the Marlins to move the Dickerson money, but you know, uh, I'm intrigued. Rob, what about you? I won't steal your thunder, buddy. Of those five, who's back in spring 22? I think 22 outfield would be Bladé, 
Martin Harrison. Wow. Okay. That's what I think it will be. I think you need an experienced head in the middle of those two. Yeah. The day will be obviously very inexperienced. Harrison's absolutely full of energy. And mm-hmm. um, so I can see sort of Marte. They, they've paid him this year where we're quite clearly, you know, what like a few teams, we've been obviously been a bit careful with what we spent after COVID and everything else. There's still lots of uncertainty, but we still paid Marte. So they have a lot of trust and faith in him. So that's where I think it will be. Uh, Brinson probably still be around. The other's gone. Yeah. The interesting thing, I'm just thinking about it now, is if if you move, if, if you don't retain Dickerson and he goes off into free agency, that's 10, 11 million um, available there. Effectively, you could plow that into Marte, you know, bump up his next thing is you've got 15, 16, 17 into Marte over three years. You know, maybe, I guess, you know, we, we need to see what he, he does in a full season with the Marlins too, right? You don't have to make that decision now, but, um, you know, clearly there's some chatter about Brian Anderson too, right? You'd probably want to use some of that money as well to, you know, extend BA. Another topic that was, that came up, uh, I think, on yesterday's pod with the Fish Stripes guys and, um, with, and with Alex too, was about extending Sandy Alcantara, who is all of a sudden becoming a team leader. There's been a lot of chatter about BA, but hey, do you go out there now and just say to Sandy, we're going to make this happen? You know, you have to be here. I think it's a really intriguing point that hasn't really been talked about. And I mean, I'd love that. Uh, Sandy, midway through last year, became a new man. He just... I don't know what it was, but something happened with Sandy. Not pitching-wise, I'm talking about personality, the way he was with the media. Something changed, and he just went, it went up a level, and the confidence just went skyrocketing, and the results were there too. And to me, Sandy is just he's just a straight-up stud now, like straight up. Um, I just say, so if you do it now, you might save yourself some money in the future. That's the trade-off, you, right? <laughs> great, you know, yeah, yeah, another great year. Yeah, yeah, you know, in 21, mm-hmm. you know, next off season, these demands going to be even more, you know, like for more money. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just... before where they sign them young, you know, you know, you know, you know and then and they have a long con. I mean, we've we just seen the Padres do it. Obviously, they paid, you know, millions, millions for like, you know, what, what year was it? 15 years? You know, yeah, 14. 14, 14 years, years, 340, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, saying to give Sandy, you know, <laughs> that, that long. But if we signed him now to say six years, yeah, you know, I think it would be cheaper in the long run than waiting till next year and yeah. you know and, and doing it. You gotta be careful with MSPs though, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Like anything anything could go wrong and you know it's 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 such a fine balance for a team that clearly has has some financial constraints. So it's interesting. Um wanted to come back though, Rob, you know, when we look at this outfield now and actually the makeup of the team. I was trying to put some names into positions and look at what opening day looks like. And we'll kind of maybe round into that now, but um, one thing that, that, and you touch on this with the birdie piece from last season, the Marlins last year were just electric on the bases. That was Marlins ball for a good period. They were running wild. Mags was in and running wild. VR obviously was running wild early. Birdie was running wild. Mickey Rowe was stealing some bags, Brinson, Monte, you know, full of speed. 
as I'm starting to put some names into places now, all of a sudden there's less speed, a lot less speed actually. Um, what's your view on that, mate? Because for me, that really helps. This baseball is going to be dead. More balls in play, more base runners. Homers are going to be less, are going to be happening less. How do you see that playing out for us? I, I actually think that because you'll get injuries and because you're going to have to rotate a, a team, then you will see these these players come in. And I, actually, you can tactically bring like Bertie into a game where if you want a real running game, you just, that example of that game against the Mets last year where Bertie did steal base, their catcher was like, I think it was his first game. And it was, if you looked what he was doing, he was just soft tossing the ball back. So yeah. Bertie read that and thought, next time he does that, I'm off. Because yeah. <laughs> it's going to take so long to get back to the pitcher. I can do it. So there are games where you could potentially take advantage of inexperience. Of course, you can't do that against a team like the Braves, who are just strong all the way through and an ex mm. and experienced most of the way through. But um, so, I, yeah, I, I think in regards to um, sort of, I think the running game will still be there because even if you do put that outfield and infield, which has like Aguilar and Dickerson and Marte, et cetera, in there, that's not going to be like that every single game. And you can mix and match it. You could put Bertie in, you know, at, yeah. uh, at third base and put, you know, Brinson, uh, uh, Anderson out at uh, right field, or you could put Bertie in at second base. You know, we don't really know what's really happening with second base, do we? Uh, is it he's on Diaz's position? Is it not? And um, so there, there's going to be a lot of chopping and changing. So I still think our running game is still going to be hot. Yeah. What about you, Lee, on that one? I mean, you look at the names. This is this is how I see it looking. Alfaro is inked in to be the starting catcher. Donnie's pretty much confirmed that. Yeah. Alfaro screwed his head on. He's He was hurt by not playing the postseason. Alfaro will start. So you've got Alfaro, Coop. To be confirmed a second base, but I'm going to go Cooper or Aguilar. Doesn't matter. There's no wheels at first base. Miggy, BA, uh, Dickerson, Marte, Duval. Let's say, let's say that's opening day. Not much wheels there, though. Really, is there? Like all of a sudden, it's a, a very different looking team. Yeah, and I'm saying the team will have more pop, but you know they'd be less, you know, you know speed on the bases. You know, to maybe turn turn a double, you know, into a triple or, or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're obviously playing in Marlins Park. You know, it's, it's quite big, obviously, because because it, it's a big, big park. So obviously, I think speed is is important for us. But like you're saying, we we seem to have gone away from it a bit. But hopefully, maybe an increase, you know, in home runs, you know, might count that slightly. But you know, I, I do like a bit a bit of speed on on the bases. You know, it, it, it is always you know, a fun play play to watch. So, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like saying I. I mean, Bertie will get start bats. So obviously, he he will. We will probably see him pinch run a lot in like the seventh, eighth, eighth, eighth and ninth as well. So yeah, I mean, there, there will be chances, but yeah, we we definitely seem to have taken a you know a step back, you know, in that regard. Yeah, I think Rob's point earlier is you know is fair as well. Like it's whatever the starting nine is or whatever, it it doesn't matter really. This, it, you know, they're going to be using the bench. Um, mixing and matching, you know, the D there's no DH, so it means that you're gonna be working your bench earlier anyway. You know, there's gonna be more of a reliance on that. And you know, look at last year, this was the thing like Monte Harrison 
Um, clearly at the plate, it wasn't really happening for him, striking out way too much. But he just embraced that role of basically becoming a full-time pinch runner. And he was awesome at it because he is just, he is lightning. Um, and he's just not afraid to go. So I think he's actually a really good base runner, uh, Monte Harrison. Um, and so it's like, but when you have the the slightly, um, you know, back to 26-man roster, obviously you think back to last year, you had 28. You could carry a few more of those kind of like yeah. toolsy guys. Obviously, where, uh, as, as well, with this year, obviously the miners are going to be be playing. So yeah. do you want, I mean, you know, do, do you want, want Harrison to just sit on the bench Maybe get get five, you know, at bats a week, and that, you know, and and just just come in as a runner. I mean, is he going to gain anything from that? Or do I don't think him? so. I don't think Donny would do that to him either. Yeah. Like so if that was, really, I don't, I don't think he would do that. Yeah, we we want him down in the minors, you know, you know playing. If if he's not going to, or obviously be at least the fourth outfielder. Yeah, Mags, Sean. Mags for me is clearly the fourth outfit. I mean, listen, Mags is either in or he's gone because he's out of options. So, but for me, Mags last year was a real nice surprise. I've heard him talked up. I think Miggy Rowe was talking him up. Maybe, maybe some others in the off season about, you know, what he could do. Do you see Mags being that fourth outfield guy at least for, for 21? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Like I said, Mags is out of options. Um, I think he did enough last year um, to show that he deserves a roster spot. I think he makes a team. Um, you know, we lost, we lost out with, with Howard Ramirez, you know, the squeeze, we lost him. Um, I think Sierra um, is, yeah, he's a fourth fielder. Um, just to sort of circle back a little bit around on that speed option um, mm-hmm. the lineup, um, Marte, let's not forget, he's going to steal 2025 bags. Um, you know, he's that's he's not, you know, he's a 2020 guy, ideally. Um, that's what we've paid for, and that's what we're going to hope for. Um, I think Rob said about Bertie, you know, Bertie's got that flexibility, he's going to get he's going to get his at bats, he's going to get three, 350, 400, and that's before injuries. Mm. Um, I think he sees plenty of time, um, and we know what he can do on base paths. Um, you know, he's. He's his batting against lefties is is probably one of the better players on the team, um, and I think he probably sees quite a lot of time at second base um, as well. Um, not just um, you know as a replacement, just let's get him in the lineup against lefties. Um, so I think there is some speed, and this is 162 games. You know, this is going to be a you know we we talk about how much of a slog it felt last year at 60 mm-hmm. games. This is nearly three times the length. Um, guys are going to get their chances. Guys are going to get their at-bats. And I think the DH helps and hurts with that case. Last year, we saw a lot of bats in the nine hole recycling the lineup early yep. and using those speed guys, putting a speed guy in ninth, and then, you know, you've, you've almost start and the start of the, the lineup early. Um, but I think, again, Rob said about with the DH, you're going to be cycling out pitchers a bit more. Um, and that's where you fit in the Berties and the Max, get those pinch hit appearances. Maybe they stay in as defensive replacements once you get to sort of the sixth and seventh inning. So these guys are going to get that bats. The lineup's going to look different. Yeah, we'll start off a little bit slow and stiff. But as the game goes on, we're going to sort of have a bit of flexibility there. Yeah. 
I, I really think on the speed factor, coming back to Rob's point, you know, you know, if Jazz Chisholm wins that job, all of a sudden lineup looks so different. I mean, I'm telling you, Jazz could steal over 50 bags. Like if he wants to go, he plays every day. The dude can just, he can flat out run. Um, I, he was, you know, sli- over sliding bases last year. He was going to, I think he got tagged out once maybe doing it um, from, from memory. So, you know, I, I'm really intrigued on that Jazz. Let's get into second base, Rob. You know, you 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 touched on it. Um, you know, how do we see it going? I mean, Isan was the the king, right? The king of AAA in in 2019, and there was nothing more for him to do. Came up, um, started last season, opening day starter. COVID kicked in, opted out, tried to come back, got hurt, lost season for Isan. In the meantime, Jazz comes up along with Birdie, do the business. Along with, hey, you shouldn't forget, Logan Forsyth was out there at second. I mean, there's probably other dudes I can't even remember. But how do you see long-winded way of saying second base? How do you see it playing out here? I think it will be Isan's position. There's been pictures right. of him that he's sort of beefed up a bit. And, okay. he's, you know, I think they'll, they, as long as spring training goes fine. Remember last year was a weird year. He kind of opted out and then sort of come back in again. And, and then, you know, it, it was just not not right for him so I think this year that they will give him that chance as long as he does well at spring training otherwise yes you do have that option to mix and match about a bit it could be Bertie at second base you know you could bring in Jazz uh, you can you can get Miggy Rowe in there there is there are other options that you can do if he's on doesn't work out um, if you want to go sort of further deeper into the minors you can't really do anything yet because we've just had a lost season. So it's a bit dangerous trying to bring up anybody else in the infield until um, you've really given sort of ease on that chance and let the minors season sort of go through. So I think ease on will get the chance. Actually, I think he'll do all right, to be honest with you, um, giving him a, a full season of play as long as, and this is the same thing with all the younger players. And I know we're leaning on, you know, with the pitching, we want Sandy and Pablo to do 200 innings, you know, each and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But they are still reasonably, and I, I think Donnie called them veterans now, didn't he? He said yeah. they're not young players anymore. But Isan still is really uh, a younger player, and and I think we'll need that. And that's what I'm saying about like John Bertie will will we'll get plenty of time in there, or Jazz, or, or Miggy Rowe. They they can switch that infield about. They can do what they want there. You're right. Hey, just on John Birdie, just to kind of call out, uh, uh, someone asked Donnie about John Birdie specifically a few days back, and his answer was what I expected him to give, but kind of cleared it up. It was talking about the second base battle, whether Birdie was perhaps in the mix to win that job. And Mattingly basically said, no, we don't see that role for him. His value, John Birdie, is as the super util Um because he can play everywhere to a high level. And so he, he has a, a slightly different role and value to the team. So he's not going to be every day starting a second base. I guess what that means is one of those two will be birdie will mix in, a, you know, float in there. Plus basically every other position um, that he, he can do. So I think that was, you know, interesting from birdie or birdie's inked in, right. He's, he's, he is that super util guy. It actually is so good in that role. Um, he's really carved out a nice little, uh, role for himself there um what about you lee because when i look back to 
heading into 2020, I was absolutely pumped about Isan. Pumped. I was like, listen, Isan is going to just tear it up. He got the job coming out. And it's kind of fell a bit flat now because obviously we didn't see him really in 2020. So where do you sit on this one? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really count 2020 as, you know, like an outlier of anything, you know, especially for him as well. Yeah. He, he started, then left, and then got injured when he did come back. So to me, I, I, I don't really count that that season for him. Obviously, he struggled in 2019, you know, apart from that, that highlight home home run he had. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he struggled, you know, in, in that September and stuff of that year. But yeah, I... I think the job will be his, you know, providing he he has a you know a half half decent spring, because then obviously the future. I think the idea will be for Jazz to eventually be at, at shortstop, you know, and and Isan at second. Yeah. So obviously that will probably come in twenty twenty two, maybe you know maybe. Well, Miggy's a free agent, right? It's Miggy's yeah. last year of his deal, so and it's his birthday, I think, tomorrow. Miggy, he'll be thirty two tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you know, so he called it out today on the on the press call. Um, he's not getting any younger, right? Uh, he feels like he's getting better, but he's not getting any younger. No one gets any younger. So, um, you know, Miggy, Miggy calls that out. But, you know, clearly, clearly the Marlins see Jazz as the long-term shortstop. But the other thing to call out there is there's about five others <laughs> younger than Jazz that are kind of like <laughs> pressing to come through as well. So we're absolutely stacked in that spot. Um you know, so we've got the flexibility, which is great. I, let's move on briefly, guys, or away from the position, guys. We spent a lot of time there, and actually, there's. I feel like it's quite set, really, at the moment, barring any trades or any action. Um, Sean, let's get into the let's get into this bullpen, which has been absolutely rebuilt from the ground up, other than Yimmy Garcia and Blyer still around Hoyt, but pretty much. You know the high leverage is is new. We don't quite know what it'll look like, but what are you seeing? Well, actually, here's the question: Donny always has a closer. He has one guy who's going to be that guy to kick it off in 2021. I think for the beginning of the year, it's going to be Bass. Um, you know, he's got some experience closing. Um, I think. I don't know if Donnie's actually gone out and said that that's the case or not, or that he's just one of the guys in the options, but it's a bit tentative. I mean, you could go with maybe Yimi. Um, that's the other option. If it were me, I'd go with Bass. Just to sort of go back to what we were talking about with Kinsler um, and bringing in Bass instead. I remember when, because they both happened sort of quite close together, if I recall. Kinsler signing with Phillies and then us getting Bass in a trade. Um, and again, doing a quick deep dive into the numbers, and this is probably a bit way too inside, but their leverage index, which basically sort of weights how important the aspects of their roles were. So, you know, was the guy coming in with the bases loaded? Was it the night being mm-hmm. in? Was it the save opportunity? The harder the, 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 harder the, the task is, it gives it a weight. They were identical. So while Kinsler actually had more saves and more save opportunities, Bass was coming in in 20, uh, 2020 with just pretty much identical stress levels then. Right. Um, Interesting. So there is an argument to be made that, yeah, the ninth innings and ninth innings for a reason. It, it is tougher and it's harder. But 
you know, coming in with the bases loaded in the seventh, that probably is, is far more important for the team to get a win than coming in and facing the seventh, eighth and ninth guy mm. in the ninth. Like, yep. you know, that's not all situations are created equal. And that's kind of what that uh, leverage index tries to sort of equate. Yeah. Um, so I think baskets a ball um, and let's hope he runs with it. Yeah, well, listen, there's a ton of guys. The interesting bit is Bass, like you mentioned, Bass has got experience uh, closing some games last year. Um, he had a massive hype video as well. Bloody hell, the Marlins, they put out this hype video for his signing like it was, uh, you know, JT Riamuto was back in town. It was, <laughs> I mean, they must have just prepaid for that to have, you know, they had everything ready and just went, right, well, his Bass will use it. Anyway, uh, not to uh, slander him at all. Um, you know, he, uh, he looks a nice addition. They've also added in some other pieces, though, via trade, where you've got um, Floro from the Dodgers, World Series winner. Nice move. Looks. Rumor has it um, very, very similar type of profile to a Kinsler with, you know, weak contact type of guy, etc. I guess when you strip it back, you don't have to pay him $4 million. You pay him what? 800,000 or whatever, he's on a million. I'm not sure where Flora's up to, but anyway, it was a saving. Um, and then you got the lad in from the Rays as well, who by all accounts looks nice. Obviously was in the World Series too, pitched in the World Series. So like the Marlins have really quietly gone about their business in rebuilding this pen with names that you don't know and people that aren't expensive. They aren't the big shiny names. But when you strip it back, you look at these guys, Rob, to me, this looks like a real nice pen with a lot of nice options. Plus, you've got Simba in there, which is effectively Brad Ziegler 2.0. Yeah. Um, you know, our old, our old favourite Brad. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, he's, after, he's, he's Ziegler 2.0. So, what's your view on this, mate? I know you, you know, bullpens are volatile, mate, anyway. So, what the past yeah. has shown us may not be what we see moving forward. But. Do you know what? In a parallel universe our makeshift bullpen really should have been as bad as the Phillies was last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that, that's that's the thing. We, we kind of, I'm not saying we got away with it, but... but uh, We did. Uh, we got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there is some, there's some nice keeps from that, like Blyer. Um, but I think some of the additions have been very, very sensible. Floro could be a closure. He's not had any saves, but of course he was never going to, was he, in the, in the Dodgers team? Um, but, you know, very consistent, you know, low ERA. John Curtis did get a couple of saves last year. So if Bass doesn't work out, he's somebody that they could rely on. Mm -hmm. So that's quite good. Um, and that Yimmy Garcia and Hoyt sort of retention is, is good as well because Mattingly did trust them both in those kind of, sort of more high leverage seven eighth inning kind of situations yeah. when it was well every game was always tight it was always going to be with the Marlins and that's the big thing for this year is that although we've obviously been written off to finish fifth most games we're going to be in are going to be low scoring games because we've got a decent rotation so having pitches like that that can keep it down and can you know keep the pressure off in those high leverage situations is what we need. But I do have a concern with if Bass doesn't work out, you know, who they're going to use as a closer. But otherwise, I am impressed that they they they've seemed to have gone for 
experience. And also, like with Simba, it's just a different type, isn't it? A different yeah. type of picture. It gives the bats something to think about. That was always the thing with Ziggler, wasn't it? That it, you had to play him completely differently. And you talk about Kinsler and soft contact. Well, Ziggler got a lot of double plays as well because of the same mm. thing. So, yeah, some sensible trades in there. Yeah, I like it. I, I like what they've done. I, You know, when the lights are on and the heat is on, that's, that's when we know what we've got for sure. But on paper it looks nice it looks an upgrade actually i feel like overall it, it looks an upgraded pen um like you said we've retained the blyer acquisition that was a trade i think it was right from from the orioles midway through the season i'm pretty sure it was so blyer trade worked out hoyt the fireman um or whatever his nickname ended up being i can't recall now um but anyway, he was, you know, if something was on fire, Hoyt would come out and just sort it out. Real nice, real nice season. And Yimmy Garcia was, he was lights out all, all year. Real nice find. And then now you add in, you know, yeah, Curtis, Pops in the mix, Simba, Bass, Floro. I mean, there's tons of names here. So it's going to be, it's gonna, that's the makings of a real nice pen. And then, Lee, we have this rotation. And... Here's the my main takeaways from the, the first couple of days on the rotation front. Sandy and Pablo both rock out going, I'm looking to throw 200 innings this year, um, both of them. Straight up, that's what I'm looking to do. Those boys feel pumped. They have ace potential. They both are studs. They're inked in, right? Health, if health's all good, those boys are inked. Let's go a little tier below. Is Sixto, is he inked? Is he inked in on opening day in the rotation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, I, I would have put, 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 me, put me last year in the game, but I, I, I was saying, so yeah, for, for me, he has to be in, there'll probably be a number of three, three or four stars, I don't know, obviously, but I think we've seen enough that we know he can be, you know, like be good. I know he struggled in September. Obviously, he bounced back in the playoffs, but yeah, I, I can't see any reason why we'd keep, you know, you know, like send him down, down to the minors for a month or so. There's no point to me. So yeah, I, I think he'd be in there, and it'd be him and you know Hernandez would be the fourth. Okay, it's all about the fifth star, really. Well, let's lead into the fifth then. So. There's a few options. Uh, clearly, we haven't, we didn't bring Ureña back. Um, Rose Ureña, legend, but is now a tiger, I think, if uh, yeah. if I recall. So, uh, no, no replacement brought in. That was one of the key things. I, I did assume that we may add someone to the mix. You know, a relatively cheap vet. And when I say vet, as in someone who's like, you know, late twenties early thirties, that kind of range rather than, you know, Donnie seeing Alcantara as a vet. Sandy's only 25. So that isn't a vet um, in, in age in that sense. But, um, you know, so we haven't done that. So we've got a few options knocking around. We've got Dan Castano, pitched well last year coming in. Uh, there's Nick Nider, who kind of been on the outside looking in, but was, I'm really nice in the minors in 2019, I think, or 2018. Um, hasn't just had, hasn't had a chance. Obviously, Trevor Rogers, who came up and did well. Braxton Garrett, 
Eddie Cabrera, I think, is hurt, so unlikely to be kind of in the mix right now. Um, you know, jobs are won. Jobs are to be won in spring, is my view. Like, you know, I don't think this is fully lined up right now. So, Lee, we haven't seen spring, but if knowing what you know now, who do we think gets that fifth spot? If we assume Eliezer gets the fourth one too. Yeah, like I said, I think, yeah, unless he you know, implodes in spring and, uh, and he's healthy, he, then he, he gets the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, it will all, really all depend on spring and everything. But it, obviously, we've seen Trevor Rogers, you know, more than the others. Obviously, he had a few more starts. So maybe you'd lean to him if he doesn't, you know, again, have a bad spring. But you know, like, like I say, you know, Castano, you know, you know did, did really well when, when he was, was starting. So and, you know, obviously neither, as you say, we haven't seen much of apart from in the pen. But he, but he did have, have a few good, you know, you know, good spots in there. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to like to, to see neither, you know, go start. Yeah. I've, I feel that probably lean towards Rogers. Okay. He's got the experience there. I obviously, in an ideal world, it would be you know you know Eddie you know starting now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and he's injured, and he he be be in, in the minors for. I mean, we, we may see him at, at some point, but yeah. For, so I would lean towards towards Rogers with maybe neither as as a you know you know, you know backup. Okay, Sean. Any any variance on that, or are you are you in with Lee? Oh, I'm I'm pretty much in line with Lee. Um, I sort of looked a little bit at Castano, but I think Matt and Lee has said that he sees him as a bullpen, a bullpen piece now. Um, oh, have I got my names mixed up? Well, I don't know. I, that's what I I'm not sure. I, I, I think, Dan, I, well, I know he's starting the first spring game, so I, I think they probably still see him as a starter. Um, you know, maybe I guess I, that yeah, kind maybe of... maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Um, but no, I think I agree with Lee. Um, I think Rogers did a good job last year. Um, and I think he gets, I think he gets first crack at the bat um, out, of, out of spring training. Uh, this is all obviously a camp for health and and any craziness that happens in in spring training. Um, but yeah, Nida, 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 Nida. Um, I think you know he's been banging. He's been sort of been up at that. He's the next guy. He'd be the guy that would bring up next, and that just never quite sort of happens for him. Um, but I think I think he'll get some some good play this year. Yeah. I think he'll be given an opportunity to, to, to sort of have a consistent sort of start through the through the season. But no, I think with Rogers what he did in his seven or eight games last year, um, yeah, I think I think we start with him. Mm-hmm. Rob Newell, you're nodding away. I I assume you you agree on that one. Yeah, I think I think so. It, it does depend on spring training, though. So mm-hmm. my original list was Sandy, Pablo, Hernandez, Sixto, Rogers, but yeah. you do have the options of Braxton Garrett and Daniel Castano. But I see them more starting in Triple A, uh, probably with Jorge Guzman and Jordan Holloway. I think that's probably what you've got because Cabrera. We don't know when he's going to be back. No, neither at the moment. You know, we're going to have injuries, unfortunately. So he could slide into a starting position um, or he could, he was really used really as long relief yet last year. So yeah. there's that option. I think Max Meyer starts in double A and then gets promoted to triple A if all goes well. Yeah. Of course that, that's your next rotation piece. What I'm more concerned about 
is that actually I think this is slightly weaker than last year because in effect last year you could you you had Urania, uh, you even had Yamamoto although he didn't didn't play and Caleb you, Smith don't forget Caleb Caleb, Caleb was the number two starter last year and it's interesting that I know Kim Nye was 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 asked whether there's a, a an option of getting another starter in I think we are missing an experienced starter out of this. I can understand them not retaining Urania after you know, injury and other bits and pieces, but there does seem to be one you know, position missing. And to be honest with you, this has been a bit of an issue without, with all of NL East. They've been trying to find, it's a bit like, you know, the, the, I think the Nationals have got John Lester and things like that. You know, the, the, a lot of teams try to bulk up with experienced pitchers because that's where it really went wrong for a few of those teams last year. And that's my concern that we're just too inexperienced down the, the lower levels. If Rogers gets let, less, you know, obviously we don't want anybody to get injured, but if you get like a couple of players injured and then let's say Garrett and Castano struggle, then, you know, you, you, you can't lean on like Holloway or Guzman. It's too early. Can't lean on Max Meyer um, Cabrera's looking injured so I think there needs to be somebody else there In, well off season's not done right you know opening day still what five weeks away um, something like that as we record now so still time I guess and I, I'm like you on, on that one Rob I, I thought that we'd bring someone in you know a more experienced dude like you said like other guys have been doing it. we haven't done it right now so you know, time will tell. I'm not sure who's on the market really that actually would fit the profile now. That's the other thing. <laughs> you know, who's left that we want? Um, so yeah, let's let's see how that goes. But I think at the moment the consensus is that we feel like Rogers is the favorite anyway. Um, but you know, jobs are there to be won in spring. I, I like a lot of what Castano did. I he pitched really well. I mean he was the kind of guy that was dropped in in these seven inning, seven inning double headers and, you know, tricky circumstance. Like, so I like, I like the mentality of him. He's not a prospect, you know, he's just a, a, a guy that's never really had any kind of prospect status. He's had to scrap for everything. And when I look at Castano, the way he pitches, like that comes through, like I see that mentality and the way he operates and, and I like it. So I'm rooting for him too. Um, I think we'll see him in 21, um, but probably gut feel is maybe not from the start, but we'll see. Nick Neidert's hair is looking long. It's flowing. It was nice. So, you know, I'm not against a bit of Nick Neidert either. Um, you know, could see him getting a go. For me, Trevor Rogers, I think, flashed, I guess, the most tools of all of them, I think, uh, in, in, the, in the small sample sizes that we saw. So, you know, we'll see. I've got a uh, uh, an outfield suggestion because uh, Robert Duggar's been DFA'd from Seattle. Swap yep. him for Harold. Oh, Duggar's been DFA'd, is he? Yep. Oh, wow. Well, Harold's still in, in limbo. I don't know when that's coming up, actually. He's probably got like a day or two left yeah. um, until he's he gets into waivers or whatever. So He got, he got DFA'd for Ken Giles. He was like one of my least favourite players. Oh, dear. Well, let's let's move on from that. We wish Harold well anyway, and um, you know we'll see where he lands. One final one, I think, guys, for this one before we wrap things up is one player 
that thinking about spring, one player that we're excited to see in spring it could be a starter, could be a new addition, could be a prospect. There's a ton of guys up in camp. It's going to be competitive. Who's the one guy that you're excited to see during this spring training? Lee Dobbs, sorry to spring this on you, buddy, but I'll go with you first in the leadoff spot. Uh, I think we touched on it earlier on. I'm excited to see, uh, you know, Isan. Mm. Just, just to see how, how he does bounce, you know, bounce back from last. Like, as I said earlier on, you know, for, for, you know, for me, 2020 for him, you know, is a write-off. So yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, yeah, how he how he comes back, what you know, what his state of mind is. You know, you know, is he up, you know, like for the for the fight for the job? Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, excited, excited, excited to see him again. Love it, Sean. What about you, buddy? Uh, I think probably Leon Diaz. Um, I, I hate the trope of um, best shape of their life. I think it's it's rubbish. But looking at pictures of him coming into camp, it's not a case of best uh, best shape of his life. He's he's grown. He he's is massive. He looked like a boy last year. Now he looks like a man. Um, and he looks like he's ready to sort of stake his claim. First base is my job. Um, he probably doesn't start off that that way, but come June, July, he's going to be banging down that door. Absolutely nice, great call. Some of the pictures knocking around uh, on Twitter, I think, last couple of days really highlighted that he looked he looked about fourteen in the pictures from last year, and now is big dude, big big dude, oh, and as. He's had a big window too, right? I mean, he was out there playing Dominican ball, um, you know, in the in the cleanup spot, you know, went on a hit and run, had a real nice window. So clearly, going back to stuff we talked about earlier, that the, the Coop, Aguilar, we've already got a bit of a log jam at first base. Um, clearly, though, Lewin as a lefty brings something different. And so if they do move one, it maybe opens up an opportunity for Lewin to kind of join the party down you know, later in the year, perhaps. But nice call. I like that. Rob Newell, what about you, buddy? Spring training. I'm looking forward to seeing Max Meyer. Ooh, yeah. I want to see if if this if he is the real deal. Because last year they were the the you know, there's all sorts of rumors going about that, you know, he was even gonna get some game time. And um yeah. obviously it's you know, it's way too early, but if they're 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 thinking he's that good then, um, yeah, quite clearly. And I'd imagine, you know, we talked about Anthony Santander at, at the Orioles and they were saying they wanted, you know, they, they just wanted our best prospects for him because the Orioles, you know, they, they're going to struggle to win 30 games this year. <laughs> be careful, <laughs> Rob, be really careful. <laughs> <laughs> they, Their ace had an ERA of about like nearly five last year. Mm. Um, anyway, um, but that's, that's you know, they, they, our prospects are really, really, thought of um you know really highly and and max is that and um so i'd like to see a bit of that hype uh, obviously mm. he'll go into the minor leagues and bladey as well and uh, you know if he's developed on yep well you, i think you've mentioned all the ones that i had and rob you mentioned it right at the end then is is jj bladey i think is the is the other one right there's a lot of buzz around bladey and the name bladey and really excited to get him on one of these Zooms in the next uh, few days and, and hear what he's got to say. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, he looked, he looked legit last spring, didn't he? You know, when he got going, he, he already looked almost ready. It was very impressive. Um, so Bladé for me, 
as well. Monte, another one. And the other one that I'm really intrigued about is, um, uh, although actually I think he's got some visa issues, so he's a little bit behind, I think, getting into the country is uh, Encarnacion, Heira Encarnacion, um, who again, big in spring last year, he was hitting some bombs. You know, all of a sudden, you know, if he comes on, you can move on from Duval, right? You know, you've got a new cheaper Duval. Great, that's what the Marlins need. We need cheaper versions that same production we can invest our money elsewhere. So I'm really intrigued for them. For me, I'm really pulling for Monte. Love the dude. I think he's got everything personality-wise, confidence, speed, tools, defense. It's all there. If he can put it together offensively, big, big plus for the Marlins. And Georgie Alfaro. This is a huge year for Alfaro. Like We've talked about him in this podcast probably more than any player other than Brinson, I would say, in the three years we've been doing this. And... Alfaro needs it. He wants it, but he needs to deliver it this year. And if he doesn't, uh, I think the Marlins will have to move on and do something different there. So big, big spring for a lot of guys on a, I guess, a spring training roster that's packed. And I'm excited, guys. I, I get the sense we're all excited. Um, I think we're about done. Miggy Rowe, Today on the on the on the Zoom call, he was asked, "What's the motto this year?" Last year we had you know the bottom feeders and da da da, and he he just kind of smiled and went, "You know, listen, everyone's predicting us to come bottom again. That puts chip on our sh- on our shoulders again. I'm gonna just run it back. Why not us? And again, we're back to that. I mean, that's Mickey Rowe rolling it back. Why not us? Is going again. So." Um, yeah, I think that kind of sums up the Marlins, right? Second in the division, made the postseason, won a series, projected to win 65 games and bottom of the NL East. Uh, not, not, I'm not having it. <laughs> not having that. <laughs> Boys, that's it for this one. That is the first episode of 2021. Episode 80 is in the books. Lee Dobbs, Sean Barrett, Rob Newell, thank you, lads we'll be back next week next tuesday all being well and we will have some spring training games to talk about we may not have been able to see them or watch them we hope we will be able to but uh, and i think they're all quite uk friendly is the uh, is the rumor too so um hopefully we'll have some baseball to talk about and hopefully there's no kind of covid situations uh, early on in camp that we have to deal with so in the meantime guys uh Lee, Sean, Rob, stay safe, guys. And to the listeners, uh, we will be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks.